You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Hello. Thank you for joining us for the Friday, August 19th, 2022 reading of the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. On today's program, high levels of a Parkinson's drug, Levodopa, found in natural supplements from New Atlas. And everything you never wanted to know about hemorrhoids from the New York Times. Plus, one simple thing you can do to relax this summer from the Wall Street Journal. And more, time permitting. Here's our first report. High levels of Parkinson's drug Levodopa found in natural supplements by Rich Handy from New Atlas. A new research letter published in the journal JAMA Neurology has reported some dietary supplements can contain extraordinarily high levels of a molecule called Levodopa, which is often used in drug treatments for Parkinson's disease. The research found volumes of levodopa in some supplements dramatically vary from nearly nothing to, in some instances, higher levels than commonly prescribed in pharmaceutical formulations. Levodopa, also known as L-dopa, is an amino acid that serves as a natural precursor to a variety of different neurotransmitters, including dopamine. One of the most exciting medical discoveries of the 20th century was the finding that levodopa can effectively help improve motor symptoms of patients suffering from Parkinson's disease. In the context of Parkinson's disease, levodopa therapy is combined with another enzyme called carbidopa. This novel combination of molecules improves the ability for levodopa to cross the blood-brain barrier, and reduces some unpleasant systemic side effects that can accompany taking levodopa alone. Being a naturally occurring amino acid, levodopa can also be found in a number of plants and herbs. One especially potent source is a bean called Mucuna purians. The seeds of this plant can contain anywhere from 3% to 6% levodopa, so it has often been sold as a natural dopamine-boosting dietary supplement. A recent study revealed nearly 1 in 10 patients with Parkinson's disease take mucuna purians dietary supplements. So this new research set out to try and quantify exactly how much levodopa tends to be in these unregulated dietary supplements. 16 mucuna purians dietary supplements were analyzed, which the researchers report contain widely varying levodopa levels. One product contained no detectable amount of levodopa, while the others ranged from 2 mg per dose to a stunning 241 mg. In general, the volumes of levodopa found in the supplements were often significantly greater than the amounts listed on the label. According to lead author Pieter Cohen, the highest volumes of levodopa detected were more than what is usually prescribed to Parkinson's disease patients. Some supplements contained more than twice as much levodopa than found in many prescription-only formulations, Cohen said in an interview with UPI. For me, these products are no different than pharmaceutical drugs, except for a very important difference, that they are inaccurately labeled and neither the consumer nor their doctor know how much of the medication they are actually putting into their body, he said. 
It's important to note that because these dietary supplements do not contain the other compounds added to prescription formulations of levodopa, the pharmacological effects cannot be directly compared. So, dose for dose, these dietary supplements cannot replace prescription levodopa, but considering many Parkinson's patients are suspected of using these natural supplements in combination with other treatments, it means their ultimate dosage levels become dramatically unpredictable. The researchers indicate they will be forwarding their findings to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, or FDA. Current laws in the United States mean producers of dietary supplements do not need approval or authorization before bringing a product to the market. However, the FDA does have regulatory authority to review currently available products to make sure they are safe and accurately labeled. Speaking to UPI, Cohen questioned exactly how such high levels of levodopa ultimately ended up in these dietary supplements. He said the quantities far exceed what can naturally be found in the plant source, so it is probable some manufacturers may be artificially enhancing the potency of these supplements. Do we think the manufacturers took kilograms of beans and then isolated the levodopa? Or do we think the manufacturers purchased mass-produced levodopa as a chemical from a factory and poured it into the supplement? I would imagine that the second approach would be more economical, so would seem to be more likely, Cohen speculated. This is not the first study to investigate levels of levodopa in Mucuna purians dietary supplements. A 2018 study looked at six commercial supplements and found not one product contained the exact amount of levodopa listed on its label. One product contained 141% more levodopa than claimed on its label, meaning some of its users could have been consuming up to 720 milligrams of levodopa. The new research suggests Parkinson's disease patients should be cautious about taking these supplements due to the inconsistencies in the labeled dosages. And doctors are also urged to ask about any supplements their Parkinson's patients may be consuming in order to track their levodopa consumption. Up next, everything you never wanted to know about hemorrhoids. It's often left out of polite cocktail conversation. However, this painful inflammation affects many people. Here are some ways to prevent and treat it. By Melinda Wenner-Moyer from the New York Times. If there's one topic that never comes up in conversation, yet afflicts a large proportion of Americans, it's hemorrhoids. At least half of U.S. adults over 50 have endured unpleasant symptoms from these swollen clusters of blood vessels in their butts. Yet even colorectal surgeons were shocked when I asked them to talk to me about the issue. I laughed when I got this request, said Dr. Robert Sima, a colorectal surgeon at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, in response to my asking if he would talk to me for the Well newsletter of the New York Times. I was like, is this a punk call? The New York Times wants to know about hemorrhoids, he said. Yes, I wanted to know about hemorrhoids. For a friend, of course. I'll admit, however, that I should have thought twice about my decision to eat a brown lentil stew during some of my interviews. Here's what I learned about preventing and treating hemorrhoids after conversations with four physicians. Understand the anatomy of hemorrhoids and look out for the symptoms. I was surprised to learn that everyone is, in fact, born with hemorrhoidal tissue. 
Actually, these blood vessels that line the anus have a useful job. They help us sense what's in the rectum, Dr. Sima said. They're the reason that you can usually tell whether the pressure you're feeling down below is gas or diarrhea or a normal bowel movement. Hemorrhoids also help to form a seal within the anus that keeps it closed, kind of like weather stripping on a door, Dr. Sima explained. It's only when hemorrhoids become engorged and inflamed that they cause unpleasant symptoms. Those symptoms can include itching, burning, bleeding, and sometimes protrusion of the hemorrhoid outside of the body. Hemorrhoids get inflamed typically because of straining during bowel movements, which puts pressure on them, said Dr. Rahul Narang, a colorectal surgeon at NYU Langone Health. Most hemorrhoids are called internal hemorrhoids, meaning that they develop inside the anus, even if they sometimes protrude. People can, more rarely, get external hemorrhoids, which affect blood vessels outside the anus. These tend to occur suddenly and are acutely painful, Dr. Sima said, but usually go away by themselves within a week. Even if you have hemorrhoid symptoms, you shouldn't assume that you have hemorrhoids, said Dr. Karen Zagian, a colorectal surgeon at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. Symptoms such as rectal bleeding and pain can also be caused by other problems, including anal fissures or tears in the anus, anal fistulas, infected tunnels between the anus and the skin, and rectal cancer. Doctors should conduct a rectal exam with their finger to rule out other issues, she said. If yours doesn't, consider seeking out a specialist such as a gastroenterologist or colorectal surgeon who might also order an endoscopic exam, such as a colonoscopy, to properly diagnose the problem, Dr. Sima said. To prevent hemorrhoids, eat fiber, drink water, and don't sit too long. When it comes to preventing hemorrhoids, eating a high-fiber diet will almost certainly help, said Dr. Neha Mather, a gastroenterologist at Houston Methodist Hospital. She recommended consuming 20 to 30 grams of fiber a day. My lentil stew was a wise choice for my bowels, even if I was dining at an inopportune time. Staying hydrated can make a big difference too, Dr. Narang said. The fiber and water make it easier to pass bowel movements, which then reduces the chances hemorrhoids will become inflamed, he said. Activities that increase the risk that you could become dehydrated such as drinking lots of coffee or alcohol, or engaging in vigorous exercise, can worsen symptoms, Dr. Sima said. He highlighted bicycle riding as a particular problem since it puts lots of pressure on the perineum, the area between the anus and the scrotum or vulva. It may also help to sit on the toilet for less than five minutes at a time, Dr. Zagian said. If you feel like you've got more to go and it's not coming, Get up and go do something else and come back again later when you feel the urge once again, she suggested. How you sit on the toilet matters too. Products like the Squatty Potty, a footstool placed under your feet while sitting on the toilet, change the angle at which you sit in a way that may reduce strain, Dr. Mather added. Sitting for long periods of time in general can worsen hemorrhoid symptoms as well, Dr. Sima said, as can lifting heavy weights with the upper body as doing so strains the blood vessels around the anus. He said men often come to see him with painful hemorrhoids after becoming dehydrated while doing strenuous physical activity. 
women often develop hemorrhoid symptoms during pregnancy, too, in part because as the uterus grows, it puts additional pressure on the anal region, Dr. Mather said. Hormonal changes and prenatal vitamins also increase the chance that pregnant women will become constipated, which worsens the problem by causing women to strain while on the toilet, she said. Again, fiber, hydration, and less time spent on the toilet may help, as could a stool softener. Dr. Mather recommended that pregnant women with hemorrhoids talk to their physicians about safe treatment options. For mild hemorrhoids, simple treatments may help. Doctors categorize internal hemorrhoids in stages from 1 to 4, depending on their physical characteristics and severity. For minor hemorrhoids, grade 1 hemorrhoids, which don't protrude outside the anus at all, and grade 2 hemorrhoids, which may protrude but then go back in by themselves, people can often get relief by following the lifestyle recommendations mentioned above. They may also feel better after sitting in a sitz bath or an Epsom salt bath for 15 minutes, Dr. Narang said. These soaks soothe the tissue and reduce inflammation. I was surprised to learn from Dr. Sima that over-the-counter hemorrhoid lotions and gels often do not help as much as people expect them to. They might briefly ease symptoms, he said, but they don't resolve the underlying problem. If your hemorrhoid symptoms don't ease, an office-based procedure could help, Dr. Narang said. One popular treatment is rubber band ligation, in which a doctor uses a tool to place a rubber band around the base of the hemorrhoid, which stops blood flow to the inflamed tissue and causes it to die and fall off within one to four days. It is fast, relatively painless, and requires very little downtime for the patient, Dr. Mather said. Some people can go right back to work after the procedure, but you may need to come back in for multiple treatments. Another, less common office treatment is infrared photocoagulation, in which a physician uses infrared light to cut off blood supply to the bothersome tissue, causing it to shrink. Serious hemorrhoids can be treated with surgery. Grade 3 and 4 internal hemorrhoids, grade 3 means the hemorrhoid protrudes outside the anus but can be manually pushed back in, and grade 4 is when it's constantly outside the anus, sometimes require surgery. A handful of surgical options are available. One is an excisional hemorrhoidectomy, which is the surgical removal of the hemorrhoid, Dr. Narang explained. Another option is stapled anopexy, also called stapled hemorrhoidopexy, in which a doctor removes part of the hemorrhoid and then staples it back together, reducing it to a normal size, Dr. Sima said. Some doctors instead use Doppler-guided hemorrhoidal artery ligation, which is a good choice for hemorrhoids that bleed a lot, Dr. Narang said. In this procedure, a doctor ties off the main arteries feeding the hemorrhoid, causing it to wither and fall off. Although surgical procedures often work, they aren't without potential downsides, Dr. Mather said. They can have painful and longer recoveries than the office procedures and can cause fecal incontinence. Also, Even after surgery, hemorrhoids can return. Some surgeries, such as the artery ligation, are associated with up to a 30% chance of recurrence, Dr. Narang said. That's in part because these treatments remove or kill off a portion of the body's hemorrhoidal tissue, but leave behind the rest, which can then become engorged and inflamed, Dr. Sima said. 
If people don't address the lifestyle factors that cause hemorrhoids, they are more likely to see their hemorrhoids return. I learned quite a lot about hemorrhoids this week, and although I didn't love the images that came to mind, especially while eating my lunch, I'm grateful to know more about how to prevent and treat them. As Dr. Zagian said to me when we spoke, hemorrhoids are not a cocktail conversation, but I am happy that our discussion has made it into the New York Times. Up next, one simple thing you can do to relax this summer. A brisk walk can improve well-being. Doing it in nature with a friend can supercharge those benefits. By Andrea Peterson and Alex Janin from the Wall Street Journal. If reducing stress has been on your summer to-do list, there's one powerful thing you can still do before the season ends. Get in the habit of taking a walk outside with a friend. Stress is battering us on many fronts. About 87% of adults said rising prices due to inflation are a significant source of stress, according to a survey commissioned by the American Psychological Association. High prices, summer travel snafus, and an ever-morphing virus haven't made it easy to relax. Once September hits, we'll be back to busier offices, hectic school day routines, and jam-packed weekends. To relax before all that starts, there's a science-backed way to de-stress. A brisk walk in nature with a friend combines three of the most effective stress-reducing and resilience-building techniques, according to psychologists and scientific research, physical exercise, social connection, and spending time in nature. The activity works by helping normalize the hormonal changes that result from chronic stress and boosting the emotional resources that help us cope. Even if it's just 20 minutes around your neighborhood, the walk is good for you physically and immunologically, especially when doing it with someone else, says Helen L. Coons, associate professor and clinical health psychologist in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. A growing number of scientific studies show that chronic stress can lead to a host of health problems, including depression, heart disease, immune system problems, and obesity. About three-quarters of people surveyed by APA said they are overwhelmed by the number of crises facing the world. Half said housing costs are a significant stressor. Not all stress is bad, of course. Stress in small spurts, called acute stress, is crucial to our survival. When we perceive a threat, such as a car barreling toward us or a critical work deadline, our brains prompt the adrenal glands to release the hormone epinephrine, also known as adrenaline. That makes the heart pump faster, moving blood to muscles. Breathing quickens, sending extra oxygen to the brain, and a glucose surge gives the body a burst of energy. The response heightens our senses and makes us more alert. The adrenal glands also release the hormone cortisol. When the brain no longer detects the threat, cortisol levels fall. When stress becomes chronic, our cortisol levels stay elevated, which scientists believe leads to inflammation that is at least partly responsible for health problems. Walking briskly activates the body's stress response, and when the walk is over, the stress system comes back down to baseline. Regular exercise helps your stress response become more efficient, says Jennifer Heiss, associate professor in the Department of Kinesiology at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. 
The exercise you get while walking briskly also strengthens the functioning of the serotonin system in the brain, which affects mood, and the dopamine system, which is involved in anticipating rewards. And the activity increases the release of neuropeptide Y, a substance that is linked to stress reduction. As little as 10 minutes of sitting or walking in nature can decrease a person's heart rate, blood pressure, and cortisol levels, as well as self reported stress levels, according to Don Rakow and Jen Meredith, co lead authors of a 2020 study about the connection between mental health and nature. One possible explanation, the researchers say, is that spending time in nature lowers the activity of our sympathetic nervous system, which regulates stress hormones. And taps into the parasympathetic nervous system, which promotes our calm and relaxation responses. Taking that hike with a loved one can further reduce stress by adding the important element of social connection. Talking with trusted friends helps people process stressful events and lifts self esteem, says Bert Uccino, a professor of psychology at the University of Utah. Social support has positive effects on the brain and body, scientific research finds. Earlier this year, Casey Moreno was in a rut of stress and anxiety. She was starting a new job, struggling to make new friends during the pandemic, and going through a breakup. While scrolling through TikTok in January, a post about a New York City based walking group for women caught Ms. Moreno's eye. One day, when she was feeling particularly low, she joined the group. Strolling along the Hudson River with other women in the group, the 26 year old Maine native says she felt an immediate surge of confidence and calm. I was like, how do we live here? Look at the water. Look at the Statue of Liberty. How did we get this lucky? she says. Up next, food for thought from parade.com. In the book The Wellness Principles Cooking for a Healthy Life, Gary Dung, MD, Medical Director at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, tackles the link between cancer and balanced eating and living. Want to eat right? Follow his wellness tips. Up your diet variety. Broccoli is healthy, but if you eat it every day, you're missing out on the micronutrients absent in broccoli but present in other foods, such as kale, Brussels sprouts, beets, or carrots. Change your menu often and take advantage of the summer harvest, he says. Time your meals. Eat only between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. and have each meal at about the same time daily, Deng says. Letting the body be exposed to a bit of caloric deficiency at night will lower many disease growth factors in our body, he says. And this timed eating, he reports, has been associated with a reduction in breast cancer recurrence. Eat more cruciferous veggies. Kale, cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli, and radishes are Dang's most often recommended disease fighting vegetables. Also on the Eat Well list, whole grains, which are high in fiber, and fish that's rich in good fatty acids, such as sardines, herring, tuna, and mackerel. And finally, from Consumer Reports on Health, important aspirin news. People ages 60 and older shouldn't start a daily low dose aspirin regimen to prevent a first heart attack or stroke, says a new recommendation from the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force. The risk of gastrointestinal or brain bleeding caused by aspirin rises with age and may be equal to or greater than the prevention benefits for them. 
bleeding risk is even higher when there's a history of ulcers, diabetes, high blood pressure, smoking, or the use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, steroids, or anti-clotting drugs. If you already take low-dose aspirin to head off a first cardiac or stroke event, talk with your doctor. The new advice does not apply if you've already had a heart attack or stroke. And the source for that article is JAMA. Thank you for joining us for the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.